A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Heko nai purangi te nai na te reo irirangi o aotearoa. Hi, this is comedian and depressed alcoholic James Nokise, and you're listening to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, a podcast about headspace and happiness from my safe place, the shower, with fried chicken. This episode, I'm talking to actor and comedian Chris Parker. We'll be chatting about not quite coming out. I was on the front cover of Express. <laughs> oh, you hadn't come out to them yet. So it was kind of good being like, Mum, Dad, I'm gay, and also very successful. <laughs> <laughs> Relaxing. Shower or bath? Shower. Love a bath though. Yeah. But our plug is rotting. You can buy a new plug. Where? Like power rubber. And his dad's best advice. Don't be a dick, basically. <laughs> and it's like actually solid advice. Some of this will get a bit real. The language, the subjects. So make sure you're in a safe space with your comfort food and join us. Eating fried chicken in the shower. Uh, what chicken are we eating, my friend? I think we're having karage chicken. And why are we having karage chicken? Um, well, because I got the option and the choice. And mm. then I was like, well, let's see what they're capable of. And I said, uh, karage. But also, I do love KFC, but I always regret it after I eat it. Oh, and I've does. got to go perform after this. So mm. I was like, I can't have KFC sitting in my no, stomach. No, you can't have KFC stomach. Like, KFC is a good post-show. Or, yes. or hangover morning, but if you've got a show on today... Yes, yeah. no, it's, it's a nightmare. I do love going back to theatre after doing heaps of TV stuff, like mm. short sketch or whatever. Like, you... I don't want to say you're in bad habits, but maybe you do in, in TV. Like, yeah, Because right. it's about the first choice and just kind of, like, going really... And working at this crazy pace. Mm. Whereas in theatre, there's more time to mull over an idea or really unpack what you're doing and get really clear and conscious about what you want to do and how you're out there. Um, and so I love that kind of training that you get in theatre. Because that's why I think my first met you was theatre training. Yeah. Back when you were at Toy. I know. Which yeah. makes, me, makes me feel very old. I was 20 years old and still in the closet and living in Wellington. I was like a completely different person. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Actually, if I, if I think about it, yeah. Are you, you were still in the closet. You, when did you come out? I came out um, after drama school. So I was 21. I knew that it was going to happen at some point. I was exhausted of pretending that I could live a life where I could just live in a lie for the rest of my life mm. and so then was like I'm just going to lean into it now and um, I didn't want to give it over to drama school I was really clear about that I love my time at drama school mm. but this just felt like something that had nothing to do with me as an actor and all to do with me as a person and I really wanted to isolate those two things I didn't want to make it part of a performance or like oh he's come out now and now he can act or like something <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was the missing bit. It's interesting. Like, so you, were you? So were you lying to yourself, or were you just waiting? I, for me, it's like you're looking in the distance, and you can see like a very blurry shape, mm. and you can't identify it. Mm. 
Um, and just like, old, like older I got, the kind of closer I got to what that mysterious fuzzy shape was. Mm. And I slowly began to define it. But I was like, I think it could be that, but I'm not still quite sure. And you still kind of can't work it out until like you're literally <laughs> staring at it at its face, you know. Mm. And then you're like, oh my God, it's my sexuality. I get it. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, well, what am I going to do about that? But at that time, you know, when you're a teenager, like... You're just like, everyone's feeling like this. Mm. Everyone's a wreck. Like, everyone's hormones are like... And they're like, oh, I'm bi, I'm gay, I'm, oh, I don't know what I am, you know? And so I kind of thought that everyone was questioning and interrogating themselves as deeply as what I was, mm. which I still don't know if they were or they're not. But were you? Yeah, I think I was. I, I sort of knew I was straight, but I only knew that by asking myself if I was gay or bi. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I definitely did the interrogation. Mm. And I think I found I was forced... Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this. I was sort of forced to do that during my teens because I became aware that my family thought I was gay. I'd moved up to Auckland. Mm. I was living my authentic life. I had mm. slowly come out to everyone yeah. bar my parents. And... Um, I was on the front cover of Express. <laughs> oh, you hadn't come out to them yet? No, but I was already like the, the face of like Auckland's young gay scene. And I was like, this is a nightmare. What am I going to do? And I was like, I have to, like, I have to come out to them. So it was kind of good being like, mum, dad, I'm gay. And also very successful. <laughs> How did your parents take it? Um, so I sat down with mum over a glass of wine. Good mood. Yeah very adult of me and so I'd just broken up with my girlfriend mm. and um, I was like because I like men mm. and then mum went thank you like that which was so <laughs> oh my God, wild and it was like because she had been waiting 25 years <laughs> oh, no. for me to be like mum you know and so she just said thank you which was incredible um and then we just kind of chatted about it and then she got straight into like, are there any boys? You know, which is her way of like normalizing it. And it's kind of what I needed, but I also was like, I like this is so weird. That's great. And then I was like waiting for that moment where I was going to be stuck in a room with dad and he was going to um, talk to me about it. And because this is the way they deal with any kind of thing in our family, you know, like it's like, well, um, and mum will like plan it so we'll be like we'll go out for coffee we're going for a walk oh I need to run into town and get this thing actually I'll leave the car with you and your father you go home and I was like um, in my mind I was like okay I'm just doing the job then I get home and it's just dad and I in the house alone and I was like she got me oh my gosh she's amazing she's so good at this thing and um, dad was like oh so I hear you talk to your mother and I was like yep and then he actually said that um He's like, I just want you to know that I think you've handled this really well and that you've taken the right amount of time. And that was, like, massive. Like, I've never forgotten that. I mean, what mum did was massive, but, like, just dad giving me the ownership mm -hmm. of that journey and saying that I hadn't messed this up, that I had, you know, because I, my experience was, like, I'm 21 and it's, people come out when they're 14 mm -hmm. and I'm 21 and I'm, like... I've been lying to everyone. I'm like a young adult and I can't believe I've messed this up so much. And for him to be like, you've nailed it. Um, you just needed that much amount of time and someone else would need a different amount of time. And you've listened to yourself and that's perfect. I was like, oh my gosh, I've take, I'm going to take ownership over this again and be like, I nailed it. It's, it's like a sticky, icky, weird thing to like talk to your parents about mm. sex 
um, and that was the thing that I wasn't prepared for and I still don't think there's like much advice around that like it's, yeah. it's, it's like I think the best advice is like it's yeah it's gonna be awkward <laughs> yeah it's the, uh, I have horrible news for you my friend because as you get older and go into your late 30s uh, a horrible thing begins to happen where your parents uh, suddenly go well they're they're a grown up now oh. I can talk to them about sex no and Christmas is never the same no I don't want that over presents eating fried chicken in the shower for any festive occasion and it's also interesting to me as we dive slightly or maybe dip our toe into intersectionality that I can completely relate because of course in New Zealand they always say all oh, racism's done you know like all yeah. you know and then every right. year something happens and you go well, where is it you know Taika calling that out mm. um, as publicly as he did was um, a real like moment for me because I and the same thing with um you know, this whole Pride debacle mm. at the moment as well for me is another one of those key moments where I've had to, like, reevaluate mm. my position on it. And it's kind of amazing to do that now. But you're like, oh, actually, how do I feel about this? Mm. It's kind of amazing to, like, have that moment to really think about something. No, I think for me, that, that similar moment uh, with the LGBTQI community was marriage equality. Yeah. And that debate. And I know some people are hardened, but for me, I had to do the same thing. I just go, well, wait a second. I, mm. well, it's, I, I know I'm a good person, but, mm. but am I? Like, mm. and, like, and, and what am I doing? And how am I helping or how am I not helping? Yeah. How am I hurting? Um, you know, what is my language? That became a big one for me because of you know, the industry we work in in comedy. Yeah, know? I know. What are the punchlines? What are they? And it's, and again, it's a continuing journey, that kind of stuff. It's... Isn't it like the best and the worst being a conscious comedian? Oh, it's yes. Sometimes I look at those comedians who just say whatever they like, and I'm like, I envy that. Yeah, I envy that like blind. I want a little bit of freedom, confidence to, to go and say it, and then you go, ah, oh, but also. But then I yeah, I, I do my shows, and then I get the feedback from people, or and they and they share like equal measures of what I've shared out on stage with me, and I'm like, no, it is worth it being mm. like considerate and compassionate out there. But um, sometimes I just look at the freedom in which people can just like sort of swing a beer bottle around and they've got their mic and they just say whatever they like. And I'm like, wow. You are an award-winning comedian. I've, I forgot to mention. You have, you have won. I've won an award you, now. You've won the I'm Fred. Validated. The Fred Dag. <laughs> the, the Fred Dag Award. Uh, it's for, so, for best show in New Zealand. You know, I feel like in this country sometimes there's like a real... Like, this is what comedy is, you know? Mm. And it's... And it's often defined by like a white straight man as to like mm. what that is and it's that kind of pub gig and it's like if you can do the pub gigs mate you can do anything mm. and I've never done a pub gig mm. and I don't feel safe in pub gigs <laughs> working on John and Ben you know we had this incident go down where we did a um, I was doing my segment which is Chris Out of Water where mm. I go and invade masculine spaces mm. as myself and just like try and understand it and what's mm. the appeal of it and I was with the Waiuku Axe Men Society sure is. and they just um, chop wood really fast 
throw an axe around. That's what it says on it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what a vibe. And so I was kind of there and it was the first time I'd ever been like, whoa, this is really weird for me. Like, and I was in like a tiny little lumberjack outfit, like mm. just living my best legs life. And yeah. I was like, this is not good. And then at the end of the segment, one of the guys comes up to me um, and he's like, oh mate, I've been trying to get rid of these puffed beers for ages and hands me a honestly I can't even tell you what beer it was but it was just <laughs> a beer and I was like what? like because he said it to my face yeah 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 and I was like uh? and then we had it on camera yeah and I was like poof to beer what do you mean by poof to beer and then we, you know it was a kind of really weird moment and I was like whoa that was like a slur yeah um and then whoa we got that on camera and then we were back in the office deliberating whether we put it on mm. on TV or not and then the defining moment for me was like, oh my God, some of that audience out there, like why are we just presuming the audience is straight? Yeah, right. We need to presume that there's like 200 gays watching. <laughs> yeah. And like, what would that mean to do that? Mm. You know, and so um, going back to that kind of pub question thing, I'm like, I just, I'm sick of just performing to like straight people mm. and I want to like perform, like if my, my ideal audience would be just like completely queer. Maybe I don't have to be a comedian that has to talk to everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, but, like, there's purpose in talking to just your community as well, mm. which I'm sure you've found doing your comedy. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain empowerment um, yeah. when, you, when you find that the people who, uh, you know, you, you're thinking about. Like, yeah. You know, people you care about and you suddenly aren't in your audience. I, I know one of the things I had uh, when I was doing Auckland comedy was people going, well, how come you know, Pacific Islanders aren't coming to uh, your shows? But they were in central Auckland. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, because it costs." And yeah, they're like, well, you know, bus, and they're like, and I'm like, "No, no, no, babysitters, like yeah. orders, like totally time." Whereas my audience live in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've like gentrified that area. <laughs> yeah. Do you have secret jokes? Secret jokes. Secret jokes. <gasps> jokes you only have for your community. Whoa, no. I have performed to a political Pacific Island audience yeah and there are jokes I've done in those shows which never see the light like don't even come close to the live day not in alternative comedy yeah not in like you know bless uh, the wonderful community uh, of comedians that you're in same audience uh, yeah but if, it, if they're Pacific Islanders um, from any part of the Pacific and they're political I've got these special things I love that and th- I find that very empowering yeah secret jokes when I was doing No More Dancing in the Good Room well I broke my foot what? Um, have you heard this story this is a nightmare no I haven't oh my god oh wait I think I saw the show in the wake of the sh- yeah if you saw it in Auckland in the return season I was dancing with a broken foot on stage so it was a solo show that literally just tells the story of what I've yeah. just told about me coming up to my parents um, and we were doing it at Loft, and it was selling out and I was feeling incredible I was feeling so famous so rich and like nothing could stop me and then on the dress rehearsal before we open I just do a leap I was just a bit tired and my big flippers I just fell over on the front of my foot and snapped my fifth metatarsal in half and um, I heard the noise but I was ignoring it I burst into tears in front of my boyfriend who was there it was our second like year anniversary together um joe randerson was there sophie dowson my producer was there owen my designer was there i was wailing on the floor on stage or on stage yeah Yeah, and we just like stopped the dress run there's no audience there um i get up and i'm like it's fine i've just sprained my ankle so i like tape it up 
put an ice pack on it, continue the plot, um, and then walk home, film an ad at 4am the next morning, <laughs> drive straight to the theatre, still haven't seen a doctor, my foot is the colour of an aubergine, and like the shape of an aubergine, it's like swell, it's like purple, it's hideous, um, and I take two Nurofen, mm. I strap it up, I rub Arnica cream on it, to help with the bruising. I was like, the bone is in half, but anyway. And dance for 15 minutes on stage. And I did that for nine nights before I saw... Or four nights before I saw a doctor. Then I saw the doctor and he's like, you're an idiot. You've snapped your foot in half. I would take you to the hospital right now. And I was like, I need to get another doctor's opinion because I have to go and perform tomorrow night. So we went to another doctor and I was like, please, 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 a gay doctor because this doctor just did not understand that I was doing this solo performance about coming out. You thought the doctor was somehow homophobic. Well, no, but he just didn't have any empathy. Like, I was like, like, get someone else to perform it. I was like, it's my coming out story. (laughs) He's like, someone else can perform it. I was like, this is no good. So, um, I need a gay doctor. I literally said that. And then I was in the um, Auckland hospital and then this man pokes his head out and goes, Chris, ready to see you? I loved you in Hudson and Halls. <laughs> and I was like, yes! It was, honestly, the, I would never recommend it, and I hope it never happens to anyone, but it was the worst and most exhilarating I've experienced on stage I've ever had. Eating fried chicken in the shower. You're not crying, you're just lightly salting. Have you ever um, told that story to a straight crowd? I told it to... Good, um, good question. I told it to a um, dinner filled with boys from Christchurch Boys High who were leaving school, like as their leavers dinner, yeah. and I was invited back as the um, old boy, the successful old boy, to speak. And I was like, and literally every year before I'd done it, it had been an all black. I was like, oh my goodness, I will come out to my old high school. Like, that'll be such a triumphant moment. And um, so I was, like, really had this, like, huge... um, In my mind, I was going to go in there and, like, rip my shirt open. Like, pride was going to be, like, written on my chest. And I was going to, like, burn the building down. Um, And then, like, walked into the school. was like, that's a terrible idea. And, like, just instantly walking back into that... um, I went to Christchurch Boys High School. So it was, like, public boys' school. It's the top school for rugby in New Zealand. Is it a Catholic school? No, like... Small masses. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, yeah. wheat bix kind of simple... Tana can eat 13. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was like, I don't know how to describe the energy of the school. Wheat bix um, But it's kind of like, you know what I mean, stodgy, stoic. Yeah. And... Um, Literally, ironically, a school which would struggle to emotionally <laughs> describe itself. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I went in and basically what I did was I'm just going to drop a moment where I mentioned my boyfriend in Auckland um, and it was that story about me breaking my foot doing my solo show and then like crying to my boyfriend but like when I approached that sentence in front of this like of like 200 boys who were 17 but I felt 17 looking at them because I was like instantly back there like that trauma I guess was like whoa and my body just went into like panic mode and my throat like tightened over and I was like I'm great to my boyfriend like, like it sounded like that yeah um, but it was amazing like the, the effect in the room was like and then like all the like liberal arts teachers were just like their eyes were just like like it was so stoked and then um, 
what my history teacher came up to me who was still teaching there and he was like that was incredible in the 30 years that I've been teaching in the school no one has ever done that before and part of me was like well thank you very much and then also like most of my body was like what like how has no one come out in this school in that time that's terrible that's a problem mm. um, and that has now started a long relationship with me and Boys High where I'm like basically going into their assemblies and giving speeches and crying <laughs> it's good because positive role modeling well it's an amazing story of both like physical endurance and hardship and look you get you get injured mate Richie McCall won the world cup you gotta get out there and keep on dancing keep on dancing mate yeah, you know, no. snap your foot in half snap <laughs> your foot in half yeah but he kept dancing mate like, know, bloody was, legend it was so funny that like, I, even me I was like how can I relate to them you know I was like that's the best thing I could do was like a dance injury but it seemed to work, you know, and I, I just keep thinking, like, again, that thing of, like, don't just presume this room is filled with straight people. Mm. Like, who are the, the queer, trans, bi, gay individuals who mm. are in this space who will appreciate you doing this? And it might not be fine. It could even be, like, 35, you know? So... Mm. Like that was the kind of energy and that's the kind of thing that I was thinking about and I was like also being like what if I was there you know mm. um, in that hall and someone had done that how would that have changed my journey or just more awareness you know more visibility that's the importance of visibility and representation does that inform your work like thinking of yourself and what you would have wanted to see when you yeah, were growing I'm up I'm literally making the work that I wanted to watch yeah yeah it's all that's all it's about is like trying to be as visible and be like as honest with where I am now and just like say that on stage because hopefully that will resonate with someone Mm. being like what would you like you know I feel like that's tricky you know like it's you're you're not being honest and then there's no there's going to be no revelation if you're just catering your material for what people want to hear from you versus you just saying and talking about where you're at at the moment. I wish I'd got that um, revelation when I was a bit younger because I feel I came to it a bit later, but it hasn't formed my work last week. That's Definitely. how we end up eating fried chicken in the shower. Exactly. Because someone said, what kind of podcast would you want to make? And I went, what kind of podcast would I listen to? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, what if it was a bro in a shower talking to people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what's it, what's it like? Are you are you a gay icon of Christchurch now? Oh, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I haven't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. Maybe in my family. Have you done Camp Bitch down there? I haven't. Have you done uh, any shows? I did Hudson Halls down there. Mm. I've been looking for an opportunity to take my work down there. Is it strange for you to find yourself as a leader now? Do you see yourself as a leader? I don't see myself as a leader. Are you aware that you are a leader? <laughs> <laughs> I am only doing what is, I think, interesting and what I think might be helpful. And that's kind of it. Like, and it's hard because it's comedy and you would have felt this as well. You're like, I'm not saving the world. Mm. I'm like, I've got people for an hour. They've mm. got a wine in their hand. They're having, they want to have a good time. Mm. So I want to deliver that as well, but I, you know, I'm just also doing what's interesting to me, which is you know, trying to fix a few things that I have a problem with. Mm. <laughs> I say it like at the end of my show, it's about like weeding your garden mm. versus trying to save the world. Like, um, mainly I was saying this so because I did this whole show about my old high school, and I don't want the audience ringing up that high school being like, <laughs> yeah. "Let me tell you something. I saw Chris Parker, and yeah. I think you're doing a terrible job," because they're not. 
I was like, this is my garden and I'm weeding that. So find your own mm. thing that you want to deal with. Like maybe your great aunt's a racist and like bring it up at Christmas. And like yeah. that's one like tiny step that you can make that can like hopefully have a trickle on effect because she'll tell her friends at Flow Yoga <laughs> that we don't use that word anymore, you know, and then hopefully we stop using those words. But also what is your agenda at the moment? <laughs> I think it's about at the moment, like I'm cooking up my next show and while like my last year's comedy fest hour was about like um, embracing my campness and talking about that, I don't want to talk about it next time. I just want to embrace it, mm. and like that's the way of like um, displaying my activism is by like being like, and now I don't even have to explain it to you. Like I just get to be who I want to be, um, and I'm gonna like basically and before every show just presume my entire audience is queer and they're not tweak anything mm. so it's like oh if you don't get that reference that's okay but I'm like not going to stop and explain it or unpack that for you we're just going to move on because I've got a lot of content for these people <laughs> shower or bath shower okay. love a bath though yeah but our plug is rotting so it's shower <laughs> by choice but I do love a shower you can buy new plugs I know where like, power rubber I think there's like mitre 10 or yeah then I'm like you have to measure the hole and then take that measurement I'm like that's too many steps for me I'll just have the shower <laughs> um, is there anything else you would like to share in the shower no I'm um, sorry I haven't eaten any of the chicken it's just I was quite hungover today that's, that's right. it was going to tip me over the edge I don't think I've actually ever stipulated that the guest has to eat the have chicken have they eaten the chicken everyone else has eaten the chicken I literally was like oh the perfect out to this would be me taking a bite but I will vomit in the shower no I mean I mean if you I don't know if that's the clip we're after um, but you, you're, you're not getting it, it. You're, you're not getting it I've got to do a musical now oh yeah that's right we'll ruin your lyrics um, hey, thank you so much, Chris Parker, for uh, coming and uh, so nice look, looking at fried chicken in the shower. No. Smelling fried chicken in the shower. Yeah, smelling and chatting. It was a great show. It's been really fun. Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower was produced by Charlie Bleakley and presented by me, James Nokise. The engineer is Blair Stagpool. The executive producers are Justin Gregory and Tim Watkin. Subscribe to every episode of this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Radio Public, or at radionz.co.nz slash series. And while you're on Apple, please rate us by clicking on ratings and review, then the stars. But only give us five. It's really simple and means way more to us than it does to you. It's a great way to spread the word and get me more free fried chicken. If you want to share your safe space or comfort food, Tweet me at James Nokise. All complaints can be tweeted to RNZ. Vaftailava Matewa. This podcast is made possible by the RNZ New Zealand On Air Innovation Fund. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.